This is the Tribune Audio Network. Okay, hi. Hi. <laughs> we were just talking about our voices on this podcast, which is called Sip, Survive, and Repeat. So, um, if you haven't been here before, which is weird, welcome. Because no, it's weird because you haven't listened to the first eleven episodes or twelve episodes. Get on board. Get on it. Start over. Start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Don't um, start here. <laughs> you might be annoyed with us then. You probably already turned us off. Most likely. Um, we were just talking about voices and how we both get annoyed with our own voices. It's it's hard to listen to the podcast back um, for me. Yeah. Well, I think Danelle's voice sounds melodious. And I think Ooh, my voice sounds... What does that mean? Like, it has a nice... Uh, pitch to it do like, you know what I mean like like, like um, five four three four one four three two one no. yes not exactly like that <laughs> but yeah <laughs> I feel like your voice I feel like I'm very nasally but I can't it's that's how my voice is I can't change it I mean you can but you shouldn't well I could talk like this <laughs> like that one ep- have you seen the one episode or that one documentary about Which the one? girl that does the blood she like made up this oh my company. god her voice was crazy oh was crazy. it crazy Oh, she like deepened her voice. She was like, hey guys, I'm going to start this company. And No! Yeah, it was awful. She sounded <laughs> Why awful. Why would she do that? I forget the name of the I mean, I do that as, jo- as a joke. Right, no, she lived her life like that. Perfect. She tried to be like Steve Jobs. And yes. Except for that she's a girl and, she, like, and her wore, company was crap. She wore like black turtlenecks all the time and... And talked in a low voice. Uh-huh. Like deeper voice than mine almost. Yeah. It was kind of weird. It was really strange. I can't deal with that. But first, let's have Kenny and I taste our drinks because I really. Oh yeah, that's right. right okay, so usually each week we are drinking wine, which I'm still drinking wine because I have to be a responsible parent and pick up kids from like daycare and dance and stuff later. So wine is much more responsible, I think. Kenny's laughing. It um, so tell us what you made, Danelle. So I had this like syrup mix. Mm. Um, it's called like basil grapefruit syrup mix that I got at this local grocery store is on sale <laughs> and I've been dying to try it. So I convinced Kenny to have a vodka drink with me yeah. and let's just say I did bartend for a couple of months. It didn't work out well for me. So I'm not the best bartender. <laughs> um, I also like that you garnished it with blueberries, blueberries in it. Yeah. Those and are going to be really, and I did wash later. them before you didn't? I did. Oh, yes. okay. I was going to say you didn't have to, the alcohol no, would have washed them. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Kenny ready? Ready. Huh? I'm watching their faces. Danelle's face. I'm not into that. That's not good. It's not not the best. Danelle's face was so bad. It's so bad. It's real. It's real shitty. It would be good if it was like a shot. It'd be like one of those shots. Like, oh, it's like okay. You don't taste the alcohol. Yeah, it's not not something you want to sip on. Sip on. No, I wouldn't sip the whole thing. Okay. Well, then we need to get another glass, don't we? Well, we have. Yeah, I'll go grab one. Okay. Keep talking. Okay. Talk, well, I mean, talk we don't amongst have yourselves. To. Kenny can cut this part out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take a quick pause. And we're back. Woo! Right? Yeah, now we're back. All right. Okay. Now we're drinking, Kenny and I are drinking a local winery wine, Kingshire Winery in Avon Lake. Shout out. This is a Cabernet Franc. Ooh. Oh. I am drinking. This is Danelle's. That's from Costco. This is Danelle's leftover wine that I'm drinking that I'm very excited about. It's called Pinot Noir Bourgogne. It's That's a Louis Jadot. Right. Do you want me to read the rest in French? Elevé et mis en bouteille par Louis Jadot. That sounded so romantic. I know. It was my minor in college. Oh. 
Uh, I thought the Canadians were going to come down, but I was wrong. <laughs> you, were, you weren't quite right about that no, one. No, I feel like we, sh- we all want to move up. Yeah. <laughs> move on up there. Um, all right. Well, cheers, everyone, to episode 13. Yeah. 13. Perfect. Perfect. Cheers. Can we make Clink. a clinking noise? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can hear it. Kenny's yeah. kind of far away, so imaginary clink. Um, I just wanted to mention, if you haven't followed us on social media, you should do so. Uh, this morning I posted, uh, well, I guess it would have been the Thursday, oh, like a week and a half. I don't know. It's been a while since I posted it now because this episode isn't coming out for a hot minute. But um, long story short, if you've been on Instagram and you saw a picture of me holding an American Girl doll and wearing a sailor suit and also with a great fluffy perm. I've never seen a perm quite so fluffy right? in my life. Right? I it mean, was fluffy. You have to, you have to, have to, have to, have to go check it out. It's amazing. Jenny. I also, this was before makeup or as I call it BM and, um, <laughs> before makeup, Jenny is a real treat because you can't see my eyelashes, my eyelashes or your brows are, or my brows. So my eyelashes are reddish blonde. And so it kind of looks like I'm a little bit on drugs because my eyes have a red tinge were. to them. I mean, no, you weren't. <laughs> Um, anyway, Danelle is going to be next and then Kenny doesn't know this, but then he's going to be next. Oh yeah. I, so- I know high school wasn't that long ago, Kenny. Yeah, so. it wasn't. <laughs> You'll have to dig deep for those young pictures. Yeah, I okay. will. I will. Okay. Perfect. I mean, I was gorgeous when I was little. Just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> Blue glasses and braces. Here we come. That wasn't even my awkward face. Like that was like <laughs> a year before I became super awkward and got braces and stuff. I had so many awkward phases, but you'll get to see them. Don't worry. I'm still in one now. I'm in an awkward. I'm in an awkward adult phase. I'm in an awkward life phase. <laughs> um, okay. So, oh, and I also brought um, sea salt caramels mm-hmm. for everyone today, and they are very chewy and delicious. They're from Aldi. Oh, I forgot to say, you said it though. This wine I'm drinking, the wine you have is from an Avon Lake place. The wine I'm drinking is from Costco. So we only your- serve the best here. That's right. <laughs> Costco Ga- gas station, Costco. <laughs> We don't discriminate. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am first this week, so mm-hmm. get ready to just sip Tell on that wine. Tell me a story. Okay. Have you ever heard of the 1991 Sacramento hostage crisis? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but maybe as you tell the story, I'll remember. Okay. Well, I did. I actually did more research than usual, which is shocking. Uh, so I, of course, went to Wikipedia because that's my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also last night watched an hour and a half documentary. Damn, girl! Uh, I think it was it was from an ABC series called um, "In a Second? In the, sure, sure. It was something like that. Yeah, it was like or in a moment. We're no, gonna start sourcing now. Anyway. Um, I was just really proud that I watched something that was like an hour and a half long. I feel like when we're doing this and I actually watch a documentary, I have to say it because I feel like I put extra, it's like extra credit. Like guys, I also watched something about this too. You guys, I didn't just read Wikipedia. I also watched the stuff. (laughs) Um, anyway, I also watched some real footage. Um, so the real footage is terrifying and I will explain to you why when I get to that part. So, um, so this is what happened. On April 4th, 1991, uh, in Sacramento, California, 41 people were held hostage at the Good Guys electronics store. Uh, Wait, Good Guys? It's called Good Guys. It's an electronics store. Was that in a Vince Vaughn movie? No. Never mind. Maybe, but... It's not. 
I mean, it was 1991, and you remember electronic stores? Oh my god, I used yes. to love flopping going to Radio Shack. Uh huh. Or even Best Buy. Back yeah. in the day, I liked to go into Best Buy. Now I hate it. Yeah, it's not my favorite. But when I was a kid, going into Radio Shack was the best. It smelled a certain way, like really important, like wires and copper. Yeah, and like like sweaty teens who worked there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so 40 I was people. 10. Oh my God. The picture that I posted today <gasps> is from 1991. So picture little Jenny with, with her perm. American girl doll and a very fluffy perm and a very, very fluff on yep. her head. Mm-hmm. I look like a poodle. Okay. <laughs> so they're at the good guys store, 41 people because That's a lot of people. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Usually this is what I learned from the documentary. Usually the good guy store had sales on the weekends, Okay, but on this particular week, they decided to try something new a and new run promotion. a sale. A blowout sale oh, on a Thursday. Oh, So the okay. store was freakishly packed with lots of people. So 41 customers were actually in the store when all this started taking place. Um, just so you know, to this day, the hostage crisis remains the largest hostage rescue operation in U.S. history. Really? I have mm-hmm. not heard of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear of it either until I started looking up hostage situations. <laughs> <laughs> Really pinpointing those specific. Uh, That's right. I'm like, what are some hostage situations? Oh my god, I can't get my thingy to scroll. Okay, it's okay. everybody, stay with me. Don't be scared. I'm okay. Here we go. Okay, here we, we're scrolling. Okay, so just before 2 p.m. on April 4th, 1991, four young Vietnamese refugees came into the store. Okay, I'm gonna name their names. I hope I don't murder them you, you I will. don't know why I picked an American hostage situation I know and of course it's I can't only gonna happen the to you takers names okay okay there were brothers Loy Kak Wen Fam Kak Wen Long stop <laughs> <laughs> say it Kak <laughs> it's K-H-A-C Kak Kak and balls <laughs> When so they were 21, 19, and 17, and then they had a friend who came named Kwong Tran, and he was 17. So they drove into the parking lot of the Good Guys Electronics Store. Sorry, I didn't read this out loud, and now that I did, I can feel my face burning because it's I, not red, by the way. I, it feels totally flushed, <laughs> like I just had to say long cock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this is not a funny situation. <laughs> anyway. Um, so this wasn't in a great area of Sacramento. I, I'm not familiar with Sacramento, but apparently there's good parts and bad parts. Just like any city, probably. Yeah, exactly. Um, so apparently, according to Wikipedia, it says they botched a robbery at the first location they stopped. Oh. But in the... the docu- first good guys? No, they, they didn't. They stopped at a different location. Okay. And tried to rob it. But according to the documentary, everybody thought it was a botched robbery, but it turns out, no, they just really wanted to hold these people hostage because they had demands. Oh. So it was kind of like, I they don't know which them. one's true. Okay. So anyway, um, basically they come into the store and uh, they came in with pistols. So three of them had pistols. The one had a shotgun. The guy with the shotgun stayed at the front door so that people couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones with the pistol started rounding people up. So the, the first guy who walked in with his gun put his gun in the air and said, everybody get down. Shit. So then he also, they're like, I'm not buying that, that flat screen. Well, it wouldn't be a flat screen. I'm not buying that VCR today. <laughs> nope. Uh, so he tries to shoot the gun in the air, but he forgot to take the safety off. So it just clicked. Oh. And so I think a lot of people in the store were kind of like, who's this guy? And does he, he doesn't know what he's doing. 
Well, he took the safety off and then he shot the gun in the air and then and everyone then he knew started he freaking going. out. Got it. <laughs> so they start getting everyone to the front of the store, which is like, um, it's, it's very strange. And I watched the actual footage from this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on YouTube if you want to see it. It's very disturbing though. I showed Kenny and it was like terrifying. Um, but basically the whole front of the store is like these huge windows and the doors are completely made out of glass. Oh. So you can see all these hostages sitting on the floor in front of the windows and doors. Oh my God. And so the other thing is, um, you know, when law enforcement gets there, obviously they're surrounding the place and all that stuff. Um, but also the media comes. This is how there's footage of what actually happened because the media comes and they do set them up behind a perimeter. But you can see everything. You can see, yeah. It's terrifying. And if the police are trying to navigate or strategize on how to get well, them out, that might... They've had other... Like, basically, they had other hostage situations that had happened a little before this mm-hmm. where um, media had actually shown where the SWAT team was oh, when they were trying on. to enter a building to get to, like, you know, alleviate a hostage crisis. Yeah. And um, the hostage takers saw the video on TV and so they knew the SWAT team was coming that when it was coming. Be, like, I, I feel like you should be fined or something if you're in media and you do that. Yeah. So um, they definitely, they they had a coordinator on the on the police force that talked to the um, media person and basically said, like, you guys have to stay here. You can't show this, this, or this. Like, this, these are people's lives. So. And a lot of people. That's 41. 41. Well, and in the documentary, one thing that really bothered me is there were two moms with um, kids in the store, mm. and they were like young kids. And this is in the middle of the day. Yeah. So 41 people at 2 o'clock on a Thursday. Imagine what? if this was like after work or, or on, on a weekend. weekend. Girl, okay. give me a vodka so- syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so... These moms and their little kids and like the, so one of the guys was super like off his rocker, like kept yelling at the little kids, like Mm -hmm. shut them up and all this stuff. And the little kids kept crying because they didn't understand the situation or why somebody had a gun. Yeah. They kept asking questions. Um, so anyway, they lined all the people up in front of those windows because they were using them as human shields. Great. So that, like, the police who had, like, sharpshooters and stuff Mm -hmm. couldn't just, you know, take aim and shoot the hostage takers. So it was was a real terrifying. Yeah. So basically surveillance and um, negotiation starts. So that's... What did they want? Okay. (laughs) Get ready, because I was like... "Hmm." So the oldest brother, um, he first says... Uh, he's on the phone the most, and he says he wants a million dollars, body armor, uh, a thousand-year-old ginseng root. Excuse me? Mm, to make tea. <laughs> and, wow, what a badass thing to want. Wait, did I say a helicopter already? No. Oh, and a helicopter to take them to Thailand. Oh, Not okay. Vietnam, which is where they're from. Is Thailand, Thailand and Vietnam are not no, together? No, it's not. They're, it's they're not. separate. Like, I think by I don't water think. or land. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, they they kept calling and demanding these things. And the police, the only thing they kept um, saying yes to was the body armor. And I'm the putting that in air quotes. <laughs> okay. Because what they did is they took 
like bulletproof vests. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going to give them these bulletproof vests. Um, and the only reason they were doing that is because they were trying to get one of the hostage takers to open the door and come out to get the vest. The vest. So okay. they get a clear shot of someone. Oh. So um, here's what happened while all this negotiation was going on is the team was looking at blueprints of the store to try and figure out where they could gain access to mm-hmm. all the hostages and the hostage takers. So they figure out that they can go in through a back door, um, like the employee or loading dock entrance. Um, but the hostage takers had already blockaded it um, oh. with like boxes and things to try and keep the uh, authorities out. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the criminals, the hostage takers kept t- yelling, like, stay away from the door, like, don't come inside. Uh, they also, when they did drop off the vests that they had requested, mm-hmm. um, they made the officer who did it strip down to his underwear. Why? I think A, to like gain control of the situation and embarrass him, uh-huh. but then B, like um, to make sure he didn't have anything on him, like a weapon. So basically, they were just, like when you watch this documentary, ooh, Callie. Hey, girl. We never hear her. Do we need to take a pause? What? I see you. She just wants our attention. Sorry. Okay. okay. Um, so anyway, uh. One thing that happened is the entry team, uh, like the people who were trying to gain entry from the SWAT, were um, able to remove a ceiling panel from oh, the store next door. Yes, and they used like James Bond style, yeah. like got one of those mirrors on a stick to so look that, so down they could to see, see what was going on. Yes, so I thought that was pretty cool. And they also and creative. They tried to get a fisheye camera up there, but they had limited visuals because of the way the store was set up and like Mm -hmm. where the hostages were sitting. So, um, again, all the hostages were in front of that like front plate glass window and doors. Um, now the younger brother took over the negotiations and now he was demanding $4 million. Oh, 40, 1000 year old ginseng plants. Oh, roots. I'm sorry. A fifty troop military helicopter. So not just a helicopter, but like a military, like forty person one, um, and then transportation for everyone to Thailand after a refueling stop in Alaska. Which Very I'm like specific. But wait, do we know why a thousand year old ginseng root is important? Um, it has calming effects, and I think it's part of their culture. Okay, interesting. I was just curious. Like, did it have value? No, or? I mean when they in the. In the doc, it doesn't mention really why in Wikipedia, but um, in the documentary, it was basically like it has calming properties and um, like it was just something that made sense, I guess, to them. Okay. They okay. also, here's the thing. The reason that they were taking hostages and had all these demands, the reason they were so angry and doing this in the first place is they were um, refugees from mm-hmm. Vietnam and they hated America. Mm-hmm. They had trouble in school. They were, again, remember, they're all very young, like older teenagers, but still most of them were under 20. Um, they So they didn't do well in school. A lot of them had dropped out. They couldn't find jobs, and none of them could speak English that well. So they really just hated America and blamed the American society for their struggles in life, which, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy. So I, I get that, but you shouldn't hold 40 people hostage. Yeah, but that doesn't give you, like, you're also, we're you're visiting our country like don't yeah. don't take people hostage don't take me hostage and, and don't ask me for something i don't have like ginger root right i don't have forty-one thousand year old ginger root no it's a 40 pause 
1,000-year-old ginger roots. 40. They wanted 40. 1,000-year-old ginger roots. 1,000-year-old ginger roots. No, sir. I don't have that in my garden. <laughs> um, the And then also the body armor, which was interesting because the one brother was cool with getting, like, bulletproof vests. The other one was like, where's our RoboCop armor? Like, I want full body, like, head to toe, like, SWAT team style. Yeah. And they're he, like, that's not we, No, no. So... Um, <clears throat> eventually, uh, they send the children out, um, as part of the negotiation. So once they get one of the bulletproof vests, they send the children who oh, are in the good. store out, but they don't send them out with their mothers. Cause there were two moms with so kids. So scared. And- so the kids are sent out with an older woman who is there, who's not their mom, who's of no relation. They just were like, we don't want this old lady here. Oh, okay. I'd be like, great. Great. I'm like, I'm I'll old. take them. I'm old too. Let me out. <laughs> um, so then uh, the other thing that happened is um, there was an older gentleman who was diabetic. And he was standing. And you can see this in the actual footage. He's standing there and he starts going into a diabetic shock. So he just falls face first onto the floor. <gasps> and they call the negotiators on the phone and they're like, hey, like, this old guy's having an attack and we're going to kill him unless you give us what we want. And they're like, no, 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 we're getting what you want, we're getting what you want. And the guy's like, don't play around with me. And he shoots the old man in the leg. Oh. But just in the leg. I know. But he's also going through a diabetic shock and he gets shot in the leg. And so, um, you know, they're trying to show that they're serious, that this is a serious situation. We're not kidding around. Um. Also, they uh, once they got the vest. Remember, they took they got the vest for letting go of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they heard shots inside the store, but it was because they were testing the bulletproof vest to make sure it was really a bulletproof vest. I'm like, does that destroy the veracity of the vest? I would think so, right? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know anything about bulletproof vests. Um, so, anyway, basically. They keep making their demands. It goes on and on and on. It it lasts for almost nine hours. Oh, God. So it started around 2 p.m. And it lasted for nine hours. And at the very end, they were getting another vest delivered. Mm -hmm. So they were sending... Because they ruined the last one by shooting it. (laughs) Probably, yes. Um, Oh, before I get into that, though, I felt so bad. In the documentary, it's not in Wikipedia at all. There was a lady who survived this. She, at the time, was five months pregnant. And she was like, I'm sure at five months, you're generally not showing. Like, people don't know. Well, she's sitting there with her cousin and her uncle. Mm-hmm. And she started feeling really terrible. Oh, And, no. like, cramping and stuff. So they finally, after, like, I don't know, four hours, started letting people go to the restroom. But they had to go, like, with an attendant, one of the hostage takers. She went in the bathroom. And she basically had a miscarriage <gasps> oh. in front of this hostage taker. He had no idea what was going on. Like, she was sitting there forever, and he was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I just don't feel that good. Are you okay? No, sir, I'm not okay. No, so she completely lost the baby in the middle of this hostage crisis. Probably from the stress from what was going on. Probably. It was insanity. But her thing was... It didn't, I didn't have time to even think about it because yeah. I was just so focused and on the situation. And she's trying to survive that. She was just like, I didn't even have time to grieve at that moment. Oh she's God. like, I just went to the bathroom that's awful I was like holy crap so her cousin is actually the one that they when they get the second vest they say you're gonna go outside and get it and at this point they had tied everyone up with um like wire Mm -hmm. from in the store 
And it was like they'd take groups of four and tie them all together. Okay. With wires. So like four people would be bound together like hand to foot to hand to foot. Mm-hmm. So if someone tried to run, they, c- they couldn't. They'd take down the whole group. Mm-hmm. Um, so they untied her from her group and then they tied her hands with wire. And then she was basically on a long leash, like a tether. So one of them was holding the tether of wire and pushed her outside the front door to get this vest. As he did that, yeah, the officer at this point was like, take a shot. So they take a shot. Oh, no. The shot hits the plate glass window, like bounces off the door that was open because it was swinging shut, mm-hmm. shatters the glass. <gasps> and like all of a sudden. Shit you, gets real. You see all this glass shatter. And then you see one of the hostage takers run down the line of hostages just shooting. <gasps> and it's just pop, 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 pop. And you see people falling left oh. and right. Like it's. I thought everyone was going to come out. Like mostly everyone. Would, oh. They do. In all honesty, it it's a lot less worse than it could have been. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and one of the hostages said he got shot. Um, like when he, when the hostage taker first started shooting people down the line, he like two women down from him got shot like in the foot. The next woman got shot in the shoulder. He got shot in the leg and then the shots started getting better. So he, yeah. So he had bad aim in the beginning and then, and then it got better as he moved down the line. So all in all, it, uh, you know, at this point, once shots start getting fired, the SWAT team breaks it's a down for, all for them. Yeah. yeah. SWAT team breaks down the back door. They come rushing in. Um, they shoot, uh, they find and shoot three of the hostage takers and they're killed immediately. The fourth hostage taker actually is standing in the front of the store, had been grazed by that first bullet that Mm -hmm. went through the plate glass. And, um, he said, wait, 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 I'm a hostage. I'm a hostage. (gasps) And everyone in the store goes, he's a bad guy. So they take him down. They don't shoot him, but they take him down. Mm -hmm. So when all is said and done, the three of the hostage takers have been shot and um, three people of the 41 are killed. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be like 20 or no, 15. No, 11 people were shot and injured. Um, and when I say shot and injured, some people were shot. Some people, when the glass broke out, that it got, it cut them or, you know, yeah. got caught in their hair, skin, eyes, whatever. Um, so basically at the end of the day, they did arrest this one guy. He got sentenced to 41 consecutive life sentences for the 41 hostages. I was going to say that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh... Um, and the other three, uh, I think the th- all the three that were killed were all the ones that were under 20, which mm-hmm. is really sad. Yeah. But at the same time, like, w- what are you doing taking hostages? What are you doing? And just, I... yeah. So it was, one, it was two employees, I believe, and one customer is who was shot at the good guy store that day. Um, the the woman who was tethered there in the video, like the actual footage, when that she comes outside, she's tethered, all that glass falls down. She starts running yeah, away it. from the store. And it, you see a police officer grab her and he pulls her, but then he realizes she's tied to the store with this flipping oh. wire. And so you just see her kind of like jerk to a stop. Terrifying. 
Yeah, it's not awesome. And um, so does she have to go back in? No, no, no. Okay. The, the police officer just like yanks on it. Okay. Because I think at that point it wasn't tied to something. It was like one of the hostage takers was holding mm-hmm. it. So we just yanked it real hard. Um, I'm sure eventually they ended and with up all cutting the chaos, her loose. Yeah. Yeah. It just like went nuts suddenly. Um, but I think, you know, that part where you can actually see hostage takers just taking people out. And the look on that lady's face thinking she's almost free and then she gets pulled back. Oh my God. Yeah. So terrible. So long story short, that is the 1991 Sacramento Good Guys hostage crisis. And um, I I recommend the documentary. I think it was called In a Second. Okay. Um, It was an ABC like series that Mm -hmm. happened. I don't know when. I found it on YouTube. So I watched it there. Um, So yeah. Oh, I I forgot to mention all of these kids uh, that were doing this were part of a gang. Mm. Um, It was called the Oriental Boys. Mm. So... Don't join gangs. Um, they made bad decisions. Yeah. Um, and then be careful of what sales you go to. <sighs> Make sure it's a really good promotion. <laughs> on it a could weekend. cost you your life. No, I'm just, oh my God, that's I so wonder, terrible. It is. Um, I wonder if they knew that the store, like, this is going to be a really dumb statement, but I wonder if they were like scouting the store and knew that they were going to have a big promotion that day and there'd be a lot of people in there. Maybe. I mean, do you think they were smart marketers? Like, they knew that that was going to happen? I find that doubtful. I feel like they pulled up and they were just like, this seems easy. (laughs) Um, One last thing I was just going to say. I also found um, on the actual video I found on YouTube of the actual, like, Mm -hmm. crisis, um, there was a person who was a paramedic and they were at the scene. So, oh, in an instant. In an instant. Okay. There it is. And that lady lost her baby. That's five months is far. I mean. It's pretty far along. Yeah. Um. So any, it's just, this guy basically said that he's still traumatized by this because one of the people that, um, he helped rescue just was, I think an employee and kept saying, I have the key, I have the key, I have the key because the hostage takers kept asking him where the key was so he could lock and unlock the front door. Mm. So he was like losing it. I, that makes me think like at work or any like such, any like situation that you go to every day or that you're in like a crowded space that could happen to you and I just I don't think you can realize the fear unless you're really in it and, or watch a documentary on it oh my or god something. yeah I could it was one of those things where I started feeling uncomfortable during parts because yeah. you're like what would I do because you can read so much on it but once you watch something you're like this what did I do a story on where I watched the documentary and it was just so much more like intense versus the minors yes yeah I was almost I was crying it made me cry where like I read so many articles and it hits you but it doesn't have the same like you actually see and you're just like oh yeah so sad yeah I'm glad you remember the story because I couldn't remember I'm like oh yeah the minors that one (laughs) that one um on a side note just so you all know I don't know if that was a good storytelling or not but I literally stopped reading my I noticed that you weren't even looking I know was it good was it it was really good yeah That was good. Because I was worried I was forgetting a bunch of stuff. Okay. No, you did really good. Okay, great. I'm into it. I like that one. Okay, good. Hey, everybody. We really hope you love Sip, Survive, Repeat. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to a charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on your iPhone or Android and have a 
and we have a special code for you. Simply use our code SIPSURVIVE and you'll get 300 pod coins just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. You're welcome. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with code SIPSURVIVE. I swear, it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. It did for me. And me. Mine is has a lot of moving parts. Okay. I'm not going to be... I'm going to be looking at my screen the whole time. I am going to do the survival story of Rhonda Williams, and she survived the Candyman serial killer from Houston, Texas. Okay. Have you heard of the Candyman? I have heard of the Candyman. I think there was a movie, a scary movie made about him when we were younger. Yeah. But I've never seen it, so, I mean. Yeah, I probably have not. I actually have not heard of him until I did this. Really? hmm I heard about it on, you know, my favorite. Oh, did they do it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't remember that. He was I a did. real asshole. He was a real dick. He was a real dick. So, again, a lot of moving parts, but I'm going to start with the three players. So we have three players. We have the Candyman himself, which is his name's Dean Coral, and then we have David Brooks and Williams Henley. And um, Dean, I'm just going to refer to the Candyman as Dean, and then Brooks, and then Henley by their last name. So okay. if you get confused, I, as I was typing this, I was getting confused. So you know how I am with names. <laughs> And then I just started typing Anna. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so a little bit about the Candyman. Let's start with him. He was born on December 24th, day after my birthday, mm. in 1939 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You were born in 1939? Yeah, I am. I'm really old. <laughs> Can you tell? A lot of Botox. I get a facial once a month. You can't even tell. Oh, my God. Don't get a vampire facial, though. Did I you heard. Hear about that? <gasps> you didn't hear, Kenny? No, don't I don't get one. It's crazy. Oh, my God. So... I feel like that's something I, I wouldn't try that, but I would try like some new technique. I mean, that's just, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, people got HIV from getting vampire facials and it's the same strand of HIV, right? Yeah. So so they they use the same blood from someone. You're supposed to just inject your own, own, right? You are. You are. And they obviously were not. That's not what the Kardashians do. No. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, okay. So he was born December 24th, 1939, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He was the oldest son. Um, his father was really strict. They were, um, it was not a great upbringing. They fought a lot. Um, tough marriage. Uh, they were divorced in 1946 and his mom sold the home and relocated to Memphis, Tennessee, where his step or not stepdad, his dad, um, was relocated for the air force. So the mom was nice enough to keep the kids around the dad. Um, she was his protector. She was a great mom. Just, they had a tumultuous relationship with the dad. Um, the weird thing about Dean, the candy man is he was really shy. Like he didn't looking back on his childhood, he didn't have any showings of like a serial killer or like there was nothing in his he childhood. Wasn't, like, killing animals. He wasn't killing animals. He was very shy. He was empathetic. He was, he, he, he was empathetic, mm-hmm. which makes weird. him even like more creepy. I think that he like, I guess so. Cause if you're, I guess if you aren't, if you're a sociopath, yes. And you don't have any empathy, I guess. I kind of understand why you're killing people and things, but yeah, because you don't care, right? You can't. But, but he didn't. He ooh. just, yeah. Okay. So um, his parents actually remarried 
So they got divorced. Oh, they remarried each other. in 1950. (laughs) Okay. And then moved to Texas and where they got divorced again and didn't last. It lasted like three years and they were. So a very tumult, like that's very confusing as a child. Yeah. Um, Following the second divorce, his mom got remarried to a traveling clock salesman. Ooh. I mean, that was probably a hot job back then. I don't know. Um, And then they they decided to start a a family candy company. I mean... Fuck yeah. Yeah. He's like, listen, I sell clocks and now we're going to sell candy. I like things that make sense. names. <laughs> yeah. It just makes sense. Oh my God. They should have made clocks that when the doors open and the little bird Pecans. came out. It was a pecan instead. A pecan came out. Yeah. Oh. Or a chocolate chip. Just flew at you. Yeah. I guess a pecan. Well, they mentioned in the story that they made like candy pecans. That's why I, I thought, that's why I thought pecans? pecan because. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, after a while they moved to the outskirts of Houston where, um, most of the candy business came from Houston. Oh my God. Weird. Someone from Texas is calling me on my is phone. Is it the candy man? Probably. He's dead. So okay, probably never not. Mind. Um, <laughs> you should answer it. No. Just kidding. You know, it's a robo call. I know. Um, so they moved to Houston cause most of the candy, the bulk of their candy business came from Houston and they wanted to get closer to that. Did they sell bulk candy? Probably. I don't know. So, okay. Sorry, I'm I, I did, to be a I did go down the rabbit hole because I thought it was so interesting that like, you're like candy. I could get into like that. Like when I first typed this up, it was like 12 <gasps> pages. Oh my God. Isn't it weird that and I brought chocolate candy? covered candies and your picture was from a 1991 when I was 10. 10. Oh Guys, this is meant to be. <sighs> okay. Have some more wine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, here we go. Dean and his siblings worked tirelessly at the candy company. Mm-hmm. Probably more so than kids should work. Um, That's how it worked back then. Yeah. You got to work. Just listen. Your family owns this. But it sounds like his family did well, too. Yeah. Like, I so. feel like that sounds right. Yeah. So one of his first encounters was one of the male employees of the candy company complained to Dean's mom that Dean had made sexual advances towards him. And his mom responded by firing the teenager. So oh. he kind of harassed some of the male employees. He was kind of a little bit of a creeper. So this is where it starts. Like, it starts to rev up from here. Um, yeah, I feel like if your kid's doing weird shit like that, you got to rein it in quick. Yeah, but instead she just fired the teen that complained. So Perfect. there you go. Um, so in 1965, they relocated the camp- the candy company again. They're still in Houston, but they moved the um, storefront directly across the street from an elementary school. I mean, for the candy shop, that is a great move. For a, for a serial killer, though? No, that's a terrible move. That's for, a terrible move for, for Mr. Coral. Yes. But moving a candy company there is good, smart business yes, move. Yes, it is. They were very smart, but... Good. Callie's really making some noises. She's very sassy today. <laughs> um, so uh, Dean was known to give free candy to the local children, in particular teenage boys. <laughs> So yeah, he liked his teenage boys. So as a result of this behavior, that's where his nickname came in the candy man because he would, he'd pass out candy. And then he also, um, would, he installed pool tables in the factory to lure kids in to come hang out after school, would give them candy. Like he wanted to find ways to surround himself with Mm. local youth. Um, so the two other, the two other people involved were, was David Brooks and William Henley and David Brooks was kind of recruited first and they both came from really bad homes. They both had terrible upbringings. They were poor and, um, Dean took them in and they looked at him as like a father figure. He'd give them money and, um, candy and rides and they would drink and basically gave them everything they wanted. 
and that's how he hooked them. And event it started initially. Um, well, Dean and Brooks had a sexual relationship where um, Henley, the other one, just worked for D- for Dean for the cash and stuff. I don't think they had a sexual relationship, but um, Dean would eventually offer them cash to help him perform sexual acts on other young boys. So mm-hmm. basically, Dean would give them each two hundred dollars if they recruited kids to come around, and then Dean would do his thing with them and stuff. Mm. And um, Dean also told them that it was part of a sex slave ring, that he needed these kids for the sex slave ring, and they believed him, which even though you believe them, that guy, why would you do it? Like, <laughs> I feel I like if someone's like, listen, like I need Can you to you go get me kids. Can you help me out with this sex slave ring? Well, if they were, he's like, I need you to go get me kids. I'll pay $200 per kid. And you're like, that sounds not right. And then you're like, well, it... It's for I forgot to guy. say it's for the sex slave ring. This guy needs it for his sex slave ring. Oh, we should have said that in the first then place. Then for sure I'll do it. Well, it's funny because Henley turned him down first. Uh-huh. He's, he's like, no, I don't want to do that. But his they were so poor. His family was so poor. He said he had no other option. He needed right. the money. Oh, God. So okay. I think they were both in dire straits. But still, that does not excuse what is about to happen. So between the years of 1970 and 1973, which is not a long period of time, uh-huh. um, Dean is known to have killed a minimum of 20 victims. Oh, Jesus. Yes. And that's of the victims that they know of. Mm. Um, all of his victims were males between the ages of 13 and 20. The majority um, who were in their mid-teens mostly were abducted from the Houston Heights area, which is known as like the very you know, lower class, low income area. Um, and all these boys were disappearing from this area and right. nobody it was sort of like um, sex workers in that way right. where like they were they were runaways like the police just kept brushing it off as like they're they just ran away it's they're, they're not there's right. nothing fishy going on just 28 kids went missing 28 total that's how many he killed okay 28 boys that's too many that's a lot of boys over three years that's not even over like a 20 year time span it's almost 10 a year yeah math it's a lot a lot and Brooks or no Henley said um that it obviously accelerated year after year after year Mm -hmm. and um Dean would like get shaky when he needed a new a new boy he's like guys you have to go find me a new boy like and he would get like it was it's super creepy if you ever look into it it's disgusting um so how they got their victims, several victims were friends of Dean of his own, like some of the boys that he met, you know, with the pool tables and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And most of the friends went to school with the two accomplices. Oh, so they'd bring them around or they would offer them, you know, alcohol or whatever. And then they'd, he'd take them over to Dean's. And then, um, so here's an example of, um, kind of how Dean, to show you how what kind of power Dean had over Brooks, one time Brooks interrupted Dean in the act of, of sexually assaulting two teenage boys. Um, Dean had the boys, this is gruesome, guys. So Dean had the boys strapped to a four-poster bed, and Dean promised Brooks a car in return for his silence. And Brooks accepted the offer, and Dean later bought him a green uh, Corvette. And that's how he would get them to go along with things, is if they, I don't think they knew at first how, like, the full everything that was happening but as he sort of you know the layers unpeeled he would buy them cars and all sorts of stuff and they just kind of went along with it um so dean would lure his victims into one of two vehicles he owned a van or a another chevy corvette and um he would get them to you know 
tell them that ask him if they want to go party do you want to go for a ride they would get in his van and then go to Dean's house um Dean also moved a lot he rented apartments so he would move every few years so people wouldn't know like they couldn't really keep track of him or anything mm-hmm. um they so the youth would be given the, the victims would be given um, alcohol or drugs until they passed out then they were placed in handcuffs and stripped naked and tied to either Dean's bed or Dean also had a a torture board that he made out of plywood which had like handcuffs and like pulleys and weird shit on it um he also had the torture boards in the vans it's just creep yeah Ugh. um so he also had a torture board hung on the wall too so there's that. Um, a lot of times the victims would be, all the time they would be sexually assaulted, beaten, and then tortured. And then um, for, for over several days, and then they, were, they would be strangled or shot with a 22 caliber pistol. And their bodies were often um, tied in plastic sheeting and buried in one of four places, a rented boat shed, um, a beach, a wooded area, or... Um, the family owned like a lakeside log cabin, which makes me think they had money. That's why I said that. Right. Um, or there's another, well, so there's also two beaches. kids like Corvettes. Right. And he owns a candy company. Right. I mean, it's the seventies candy. I don't know, whatever. Um, so one of those four places is where he'd bury his victims. Um, so in several instances, Dean would force his victims to either phone or write their parents with explanation for their absences. So while he was holding them hostage for those two days and like torturing them and stuff, he would have them call home to their parents and say, Hey, I'm staying at so-and-so's house. I'll be home, you know, tomorrow, whatever. So they wouldn't think anything of it. Or like he'd have them write a letter and say, I'm running away. I'm never coming back. So they would think that they're runaway and the cops wouldn't let on to it. Um, he was also known to have retained keepsakes like keys or like any type of items from his victims. So from 1970 to 1973, um, Dean and the um, Brooks and Henley are known to have killed a minimum of 28 teenagers. And um, they think they suspect that there's more, there's a lot more. So, but they, they just don't know. So here comes Rhonda Williams. So this is her survival story. Rhonda Williams is not a boy. Rhonda Williams is not a boy. Okay. But Rhonda, Rhonda Williams is the reason that all this shit gets broken down. So Rhonda also comes from a really bad home. Um, Her mom died when she was young, like I think two from an aortic aneurysm. And I feel like her whole family were, they were just a bunch of dicks. Like her older siblings told her that she was the reason her mom died. Oh, that she killed her mom. And she was like, I was two. I didn't even know my mom, but okay. Um, so after her mother's death, Rhonda's father, um, met another lady she had a stepmom they were you know not great to her and um Rhonda's father and her stepmother decided that Rhonda should be someone else's responsibility that's what her dad told her oh so they sent Rhonda away to a place called Solid Rock Refugee Refugee for Girls great Sounds really cozy. But Rhonda's very smart. So this place was not nice. The lady that ran it was a witch. She did not like Rhonda, and she treated the other girls very poorly. And so Rhonda said in an interview that um, she they would give them an allowance each week. So she would save her allowance. She wouldn't spend it. And she noticed that all the outside doors had padlocks on them. So she saved her allowance for weeks and weeks and weeks and then went to Sears because they were allowed out every now and then. And mm-hmm. she bought like um, padlocks that were the same style and look and somehow replaced the padlocks on her door so they could get out and she had a key to it. 
I don't know how. Like, they must have been on the inside of the door because she had access to it. So one night, her and four of the girls snuck out. They um, cut a hole in the screen, unlocked the door, and escaped and tried to hitchhike to California. But unfortunately, they were caught by the police, and they were sent back to the girls' home. But the lady that ran the girls' home was like, I don't want them. Like, send them to foster care. So then she she kept getting put back into foster care and foster care, and then she was, you know raped multiple times and just had bad experiences in foster she was just in a bad place so somehow she ends back up at her dad's house Hmm. I don't know how maybe he took her back in they don't really say in the story Um, she just says my dad didn't want me it wasn't that I was bad it's just that I wasn't wanted which is really sad that's super sad I know so during all of this Rhonda fell in love at just 13 and um she said she would never experience this kind of love again. His name was Frank. He was 18. So, I mean, eh, you know. Creepy, but a little, okay. A little creeper, but okay. Sure. Um, so, uh, let's see. They met to, They worked at a um, fried chicken joint for a while, and then, then they worked together at Long John Silver's, and she said Frank was the most kindest man. Um, he, for example, a little girl came in and she lost a dime. She needed to buy hush puppies for her mom at Long John Silver's and she lost the dime. And so Frank gave her like a full bag full of hush puppies for free. Like he was just a good guy. Well, Frank called, um, Rhonda one night and said, this is in 1972. He said, Hey Rhonda, I'm coming over after my shift. He never showed up. Uh oh. And uh, Rhonda walked to Long John Silver's and waited, and he wasn't there, and his car was gone. The sun came up. She waited and waited and waited, and all her friends were just like, oh, he probably ran away or moved away. What? Well, the fact is, is no one but Wayne Dean and Brooks knew what happened to Frank because he was one of Dean's victims. No. He ended up being one of Dean's victims, yeah. So, yeah. Everyone just said he, like, joined the mafia or had some, like, stupid excuse, whatever. Right. So since Frank's out of the picture, um, Rhonda turned to Henley. So she grew up with Henley, the other accomplice to Dean. Mm-hmm. And they go way back, and he was almost like an older brother figure to her. He was very good to her. And since Frank was out of the picture, she ran to Dean whenever her, da- her dad would abuse her or beat her. Like, he would kind of take care of her. Um, so I thought this was interesting. So at one point, Rhonda, they did send her to a shrink after going to all these foster homes. And the foster care place told her, or the shrink told her um, how to get her father to love her. This is the advice they gave her back in the 70s. Oh, I'm very interested in this. You ready for this? What you need to do is to go home and cook dinner every night and every day, clean the house, and your dad will love you. What the fuck? That's what the shrink told her. What? What kind of weirdo advice is that? Exactly. exactly. No, no. Uh You can't. Uh-uh. Cooking and cleaning is not the way to anyone's heart. It's not. Figure out how to do it yourself, asshole. Jesus. Yeah. So Rhonda and Henley formed this relationship. The first time she she came across the Candyman or Dean was they were walking their bikes down the street, and Rhonda's Rhonda had a flat tire, and Dean was pissed that Henley was hanging out with a girl. He didn't like oh. that he had other friends, and like so he pulled up with his kidnapper van and loaded their bikes <laughs> for them in the van. Yeah. Um. Henley sat in the front seat. Rhonda sat in the back seat. With the torture boards. With the torture boards. She noticed them. Like, she was just like, this is weird. But she was super naive, kind of. And she was just like, whatever, I'm getting a free ride. And she also sat on this, um, it was almost like a, a bench, like a wood bench case. Like, it was, it was a bench. But it had, like, it looked like a, 
a box coffin. Okay. So that's why I'm giving you this look. I know. So years later when she actually gives her first interview, she says to this day, she wonders if there was a body in that bench that she was sitting on in his van. So the candy man drops her off at her house because he's not into girls. So it's not like he's whatever. And then that was her first encounter with him. So Rhonda's final encounter with the candy man. So she's back living with her father still. And her dad was on a. And she's cooking and cleaning. And she's, uh, she's, scrubbing those baseboards and her dad is like i love you so much now he's beating the shit out of her and yelling at her Mm. and she said this is the worst she's ever heard him yell Mm. and um she her father left the house he stormed out and Rhonda needed to escape because she knew when he came back it was going to be bad news for her but her foot was sprained at the time and she knew um she couldn't get very far and her best friend lived across the street her name was sheila and um, she knew that that would be the first place that her dad looked for her. So she didn't go to Sheila's. But um, Henley actually walked in her front door because he actually heard her father screaming from down the street. Because he lived Holy down the street from her. Shit. That's how loud this man was screaming. So he heard him shouting down the street and he went to check on Rhonda. And um, he told Rhonda that he would always protect her and she'd be safe with him. Hmm. So Henley and their hmm. other neighbor, his name was Tim, they all go over. Um, Henley was like, hey, you can come stay at my friend's house. His name's Dean. You're safe there. Because Henley didn't think he would hurt her because right, she's a girl. Right, because she's a girl. Yeah. And Henley, this is all he knew for the past three years. He didn't know, like, he knew it was wrong, but he just thought she would be safe. So they go to Dean's house, and Dean is pissed that he brought a girl to the house. Now the same girl. And... um Dean offered them alcohol and drugs and they said they were sniffing paint like with something that oh. they did and they all fall asleep for the night. So Rhonda wakes... Sniffing paint will do you. Yeah. Well, I've never done that, but I feel like it will really knock you out. What? Knock you out a cold one. Um, so Rhonda wakes up to a sharp pain in her side and someone kicking her and telling her to wake up. Um, for a moment, she thinks it's her dad mm-hmm. and she opens her eyes and it's Dean. So she looks over and sees that Henley's also handcuffed, who's oh, no. his accomplice, and his feet are bound and his mouth is duct taped. And then she looks the other side and her neighbor, Tim, is also bound up the same way. And um, at the time, Rhonda Williams is 15 and Tim, her neighbor, is 19. Um, so Henley, Dean takes the duct tape off Henley and he convinces Dean to let him out, like to set him free. Um, so they're arguing in the living room and Dean is holding a knife that's eight with an 18 inch blade and a what? Yeah. That's, and he also has a rifle. Almost two feet. He is. Yeah. I know. I was thinking that I'm like a ruler's 12 inches. It's almost like, I can't even imagine how long that blade was and to see it and be like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? So, um, Dean, it's like a sword. It's like a sword. Okay. So Dean has that blade, that, um, sword and also <laughs> a 22 caliber rifle. I don't really know or revolver. I didn't really know what that looks like, but mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Guns. Dean tells Henley to take care of her and steps out of the room again. Um, by this, by this time, the tape is off Rhonda and Tim's mouths. Henley kneels down beside her and whispers, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to get you out of here, which is huge because if it wasn't for Rhonda, Henley would never do this for anybody else. Like he treated like she was like a little sister to him. Mm -hmm. So, um, Dean and Henley walk in and out of the room. They're arguing and Dean comes in, picks up Tim, takes him to the bedroom. She hears Tim screaming in the other room and bad things are happening. He's screaming. It's bad. So... Dean comes back into the room and tells Henley that he needs to um, rape Rhonda and do all these things to her. And basically, um, Henley notices that the gun is laying on the dresser, like Dean doesn't have it in his hand. 
and he grabs the gun and he shoots Dean three times and kills him. Oh my God. And he's just, and he did it for Rhonda basically. Okay. So Henley empties the gun into Dean and he staggers in the hallway, collapses and dies. (gasps) And, um, so for everyone, but Tim Rhonda, the the Houston mass murders and the Candyman has come to an end. Just nobody knows it yet. So oh his actual own accomplice killed him. And um, wait, is the accomplice still alive? The accomplice is still alive. Okay. He actually, they took them to the police station mm. and um, Henley confessed everything. He was like, I've killed like six people. I, um, whatever. And um, Rhonda was obviously set free because she was innocent and so was Tim. And it wouldn't be until 40 years later that Rhonda broke her silence and told her story. She changed her name. Someone took her under their wing and took care of her. Both the boys, Henley and Brooks, are serving life sentences for their crimes. I think think Brooks was charged with like six counts of murder and Henley was charged with four. Yeah. But Henley was not charged for Dean's shooting, as he should not have been. No. I feel like everybody needed Dean to be dead. Yeah. So the Candyman, they don't think, would have been caught unless... Um, Henley would have shot him because they had wow. no, they had, they weren't even like close. So they weren't even really looking. Mm. So that's, that's so the story nuts. of Rhonda Williams. Yeah. Rhonda. That's a lot. I skipped a lot, but there's a lot of detail. There's not a lot of information on her. Right. Because she's just broken her silence. But, um, but he was a, a real asshole. I had never yeah. heard of him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oof. I had heard of him and he's a real shitty person. Yeah. I'm glad that he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> to be Bye. honest with you. Bye. May. All right. Kenny. Time for weird news. Okay. Did you guys hear, this happened a couple months ago, about the girl who was arrested for texting a man 159,000 times after one date? No? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> let, let me give you just quick That's backstory. That's like shocking. Like, did you like the silence that came after that? She, I'm like, um, uh, she sent an average of 500 texts a day, and uh-huh. the texts became increasingly, like, more violent and threatening. What? So, did she also boil rabbit in his kitchen? Uh, while, while the victim was on vacation, he saw, he checked his home surveillance, and he saw her in his no. home, and the police came. In his home? And the police came. Oh, my God. And she was taking a bath in his house. Ah! And Crazy they, bitch. They discovered a large butcher knife in the her car. No, um, no, 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 no. In one of the text messages, she said, don't ever try to leave me. I'll kill you. I don't want to be a murderer. She also said that she wanted to wear his body parts and bathe in his blood. No. Wait, when did this happen? A couple months ago. I think it was like maybe November, December. Um, After one date? After one date. Take did it, it easy, did crazy. It, did it say where they met? Online. Did they say what site? I don't know. Okay. Well, guys, if you're dating online, which I did, please be careful. Yeah. yeah. So, tell your uh, friends where you're going. Yes, always. And maybe tell them to call you later and make sure you're yes. home. Yes. Even if, I, I mean, I'm clearly not online dating, but I even tell my husband, like, listen, I'm going to this bar. If I'm not home at this time, like, here's who I'm with. Like, just tell people where you are. Right. Th- this isn't even the weird part of the oh, story. Oh, sorry, yet. Kenny. What? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> So she wants to get the trial quickly because she believes the jury will rule what? Any guesses? That she's insane. Right? That she's mentally insane. She believes she is. the jury will rule she must marry the man she stalked. Oh, come on. She, there's something wrong no. with her. She thinks no. she did nothing wrong. She can't believe she's in jail over some text messages. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So she had a chance. Um, let me find where it says this. She could have taken a plea deal. The catch is she would be on probation for 10 years and barred from contacting the man that she has been texting. But uh, she thought this was the man's way of testing her resolve. <gasps> she believes the man is testing her right now. She says... Well, it's not 1857. Right. What the fuck? You can't like, do that. She said the jury's going to say, you're not guilty, and to top it off, we demand you to get married. Oh, Does she com- think she's in a rom-com? I, she's this just, chick is nuts. She's just insane. She's also like gone on to say that she has been abducted by Walt Disney, whom she believes is a member of the Illuminati and a manned, I mean, I think and is, manned a spaceship. Probably. She says... She manned a spaceship? No, Walt Disney mans a spaceship. Come oh, on, I mean. Jenny. Don't be crazy here. <laughs> well, that, that may be her next adventure. I cannot believe... Wow. She needs yeah. help. She, so what happened? Right now she's still in jail, apparently waiting trial. Because I, I'm very curious to see what happens at this trial. I'll keep you updated do on this. Do you know this. when the trial is set do. for? I don't know. I think they're still trying to make her take the plea deal because I like, don't think she's going to get a better deal than that. No. Probably and not. I feel like she needs to be... Probation for 10 years might not be... It, here's, she needs help. You can clearly tell she's crazy just yeah. based on the those picture. Eyes. She got the crazy eyes. Oh. Those crazy eyes, yeah. She We're going to have to post that on the Facebook and Instagram. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Crazy pants. Ooh. I mean, listen, I've blown up a boyfriend's phone before. Listen, sometimes you have to. But have you ever sent, I mean, 500 a day. I don't even think. I don't think I send 500 texts a day just like overall. No. No. I don't think I send 500 texts a week. I'm going to be honest with you. I think maybe a month I might send like 500 to 1,000. Right. We should all research that and find out how many texts we actually send. I looked at it one time. I think sometime in college I sent like 1,200 a month. Okay. And that was when I was like actively talking to other girls and stuff. And yeah, like, now, yeah. now I just don't like to talk now to Now I probably don't send more than Yeah, I'm kind of a recluse. Yeah. I mostly go home and watch Forensic Files. And oh my God, I found a new show. Hold on. I'm going to look it up real okay. quick. I have to tell you guys. It's I mean, amazing. so is, has the guy like relocated or move, I wonder? I hope. I didn't I hope see anything so. about that. I would be that. terrified if I was him. Yeah, I, I would move to a different state. Hell yeah. That is creepy, 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 creepy. Okay. Um, I just started watching this, everyone. Um, it's called Cults and Extreme Belief. <gasps> and it's streaming on Hulu right now. And um, it's very interesting. The first episode was about Nexium, that cult that, yes. like they said, was like a sex cult. Mm-hmm. Sex slaves and stuff. And now they're talking about... Um, ugh. What's that called? The people that come to your door? Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. They're talking about Jehovah's Witnesses because there's a whole bunch of like uh, child yeah, abuse scandals going on in that. My aunt joined that for like a year and she got really weird for a year. Okay. And I was like, can you not, can you just come back? And she did. She's great. Right. right. So I'm in the midst of that episode, but it's, so that's on Hulu. What's it's it called? Hulu. It's called. Sorry. Cults and Extreme Belief. The minute you guys leave. I might watch that. You should. It's so good. Because I'm really into that it's kind so of good. Stuff. And they have like people who are actually in the cult talking about what it was and all that stuff. So it's insanity and mm-hmm. I love it. Um, okay. Well, this is episode 13, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. I'm Kenny. And this is Sip. Survive. And repeat. We'll see Bye. you guys next week. Bye.
This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.